if you're listening to this podcast, it's likely that you're somewhere on your faith journey, your spiritual journey, your deconstruction journey, or somewhere out in your spiritual wilderness. And if you're somebody who's tired of feeling spiritually dead or disembodied, or maybe you know God or love exists and you're looking for some kind of practice to help you get in touch with whatever that is, if you're wondering how to do spirituality, quote unquote, do spirituality differently, then I've got a suggestion for you. I'd like you to come hang out with me for the fall cohort 2022. Uh, the practice cohort is something I developed a few years ago that helps individuals like you who have maybe walked away from your faith of origin and you're exploring a little bit more expansive spirituality. This is a place to try on new ideas, engage with new practices that actually work and allow you to reconnect with the joy that you've always known was there. It's a learning cohort. It's one-to-one -one coaching. It's a 13-week e-course and daily reading plan. So it's, it's the best of all types of programs that I've seen out there because I think e-courses don't work personally. Um, I don't think that just sitting in front of a bunch of modules and trying to self-direct is helpful. And that's why I do these things in groups because it's together that we actually learn how to become human again. It's together that we give each other permission to start healing. And I got to tell you, the past two cohorts that I have been putting through the summer and now... Uh, the spring one, it, people have seen a massive amounts of growth. And I want to invite you to be a part of that. So if you're interested at all, please go to thekevingarcia.com slash cohort. Apply today. There's only 18 spots left, and I would love to have you in there with me. If you have any questions, please hit me up on social media. And with that, let's get into the show. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives. This is episode 173, and today I'm talking with my friend Tim Whitaker, who runs the nonprofit and social media account, The New Evangelicals, and the first of our series that I'm calling What the Fuck America? I, I want to start, I, like, I just, I'm so curious about what to do in the present moment that we find ourselves. I'm so interested in how Christian nationalism, which we, many of us grew up in and around in some way or another, I'm so curious as to how it got this way and why it is this way and how it's so sustained. And I wanna to talk to people who like are like in the weeds with it. And Tim Whitaker is one of those people. Me and Tim actually are friends in real life. We got to go on a sweet little mostly men's retreat <laughs> a couple of months, like almost a year ago, I think. And we lovingly called it the Promise Breakers Retreat. And there's a half, there's part of me that actually wants to do another mostly men's retreat and call it Promise Breakers and just really spoof it. So, but like literally anyone can come, but like we're going to talk about what is healthy masculinity. This is a dream. If you're interested in that, comment down below. <laughs> Um, or wherever you're listening to this. Um, before we get into that, I wanted to just make a couple of announcements about things I'm doing. One, I'm going to be in LA at the end of August for the Q Worship Collective Worship Weekend um, put on by the Q Worship Collective, which is a bunch of friends from I've met from through QCF and doing other sorts of advocacy work. Um, if you're somebody who 
for some reason still loves worship music like like sort of i do and like still find some sort of uh, helpful thing in worship music or devotional music as i'm starting to call it now i would love for you to come hang out with us you can go to qworshipcollective.com click on the conference button and get your tickets it's very very affordable very cheap um I hope to see you there. Again, that's going to be August 23rd, 24th, 25th, I believe. Um, the links are going to be in the description, so go ahead and check that out. Secondly, Tarot School. The books, the guidebook, and the eight-week journal are live. Those are also at the website, thekevingarcia.com slash tarot. Three, cohort, fall practice cohort. We are kicking off on September 12th. So if you're trying to get your spiritual shit together, go to thekevingarcia.com slash cohort. Apply. Get on a phone call with me so we can get this thing popping. And lastly, I just want to tell you that I love you. I think that you're doing a great job of handling some heavy shit. So with that, let's get into this conversation with my friend, Tim Whitaker from the New Evangelicals. Enjoy y'all. Meow, everybody. Welcome back to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary folks living revolutionary lives. I am here today with my actually real ass, real life friend, Tim Whitaker of the account The New Evangelicals. Hi. Hello. And we Wait, are real life friends. I think I think I can. Can it? Yeah. Wait, can, you can't hear that, can you? Hold on. No. Let me try that again. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Rolled welcome. out the red carpet for me. Thank you. I'm li literally trying to do my best. See, another reason why you should switch over to this platform that I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to name because they're not That's getting amazing. my ad money until they pay me for it. Damn straight. Anyways, um, so we're starting a new series. I've never done a series on a tiny revolution before where mm. I, I'm like, okay, I, I need to process my, some of my feelings about what's going on in America right now and um <laughs> the strange and like looming fear i've been having because as you know we, you and i both grew up you know fundamentalist evangelicals and all that good stuff mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and i think like of all the people one of the like you are so up close and personal with christian fundamentalism like the way you report on it is truly incredible to me so before we get into it I want you to, uh, when you meet somebody and they say, so what do you do? How do you respond right now? What's your thing? Uh, depends on the context, you know. Um, uh, but assume that they're a cool person. They're not like some sort of dick. Yeah, right. And I guess we can assume that they have some kind of context to evangelical culture. Um, mm. I tell them that I started a nonprofit called the New Evangelicals that primarily exists for folks who have been marginalized by the evangelical church. And um, we try and hold space, we try and advocate, we try and um, explore the Christian tradition together. And that's what I do. And I also play music as well. So I do those two things. Which I think is like, just so dope. Um, uh, if you haven't already followed the new evangelicals across social media, you're on Twitter, mm -hmm. Facebook, Instagram. Yep. Are you on YouTube? Yep. yep. Wow. All and the TikTok. places. 
and TikTok. And TikTok. See, TikTok. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, so uh, let's let's talk about Christian nationalism, oh, Tim. Boy. Okay. Um, I wish I could say that I'm personally surprised at what we're seeing, but like, it's almost. I think for those of us who grew up in the kind of spaces we did, it's we we see we see exactly like where this has come from. So mm. I guess for you, like when we talk about Christian nationalism, how are you defining it? How are you saying like, this is what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, I, I do think it's important to have definitions because any word can get re um, defined for someone's benefit. And when we talk about Christian nationalism, what we're not talking about is every single Christian uh, who might be actively engaged in the political culture. We're not talking about every single white evangelical or every single Catholic person who might be more conservative. We're talking about a specific brand of Christian thinking. And one of my favorite definitions um, that I like is from Samuel Perry. Um, and he's like a leading sociologist um, uh, who's tracking all of this. And what he says is essentially... Christian nationalism, um, it's defined as uh, aiming to privilege white Christianity in both the public and private sphere. All right. So that's kind of like a really easy definition. The, I, the concept behind it is that there are people who believe that America was founded as a quote unquote Christian nation and that mm -hmm. secular forces have taken that away from them. And they have to fight back and reclaim America as what they think it is, which is theirs, which is uh, a Christian country. Now, when we say Christian, we don't mean any form of Christian, not definitely not progressive Christians, not mainline Christians, not black evangelicals or that culture. We're talking about really white um, whiteness, you know, white evangelicalism, mm -hmm. um, uh, white Catholics who are steeped in, I would argue, white supremacy, whether they understand it or not. I think that's mm -hmm. also important to recognize. I don't think the average person who thinks that they're a Christian nationalist or believes in that, in that ideology thinks, oh, I'm steeped in white supremacy. This is great, right? They oh, don't yeah. even they understand don't think, where they're drawing They don't on. think white supremacy exists. Exactly. Right. Right. So that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I hear people who want to kind of mischaracterize it, be like, well, if, if you're a Christian and you vote, you're a Christian nationalist. No, that's not what we're mm -hmm. talking about here. It's the laws and policies that were that are being advocated for that really privilege Christians, specifically white evangelicals and others like them over the rights and the privileges of other people in America. That's what we're talking about. Mm. Ding, 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 ding. And I think that's <laughs> where we want to hone in on it, because especially if we're trying to, if, I mean, chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you have somebody in your sphere who is some brand of conservative. And so, like, you know, you're probably dealing with this in some way, you know, firsthand. And a lot of times I think that, like, you know, like using my own family, for example, they think that they're quite loving and, like, they don't see how, you know, their local church who has never harassed a gay person, who has never told women, well, I mean, they, they only have male pastors, but they've always, you know, been good to women and uh, they don't see how like these subtle, like it's, it's not always so like in your face. Um, it's a lot more sneaky than that. And like, I think it starts off being sneaky until like, what was it like the, the turning point student uh, conference this past couple of weeks mm. that you Charlie Kirk like, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It starts off just being this thing about, Oh, you know, we're just, this is about us just believing and practicing how we believe 
without actually understanding how it impacts anybody around them. Yes. I mean, it is, it is quite the privilege that they have, right. Where they've, um, they've convinced themselves that by denying the rights of other people and being told you can't do that, they see themselves as the victims. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, one example of this is a few weeks ago, um, a, couple in uh, Michigan who had a wedding venue said on their website that, you know, they're not going to allow queer folks to get married there because of their, of their, quote, religious conviction. And so many Christians were like, yeah, it makes complete sense. They have a right to do what they want. They couldn't understand that 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 you're allowed to believe whatever you want in America. You can believe whatever you mm-hmm. want. But as Andrew Seidel says, your right to swing a fist stops where my face begins. Once you Hello. start saying, well, not only can I believe this, but now you must subscribe to this belief. Therefore, you can't get married in this public venue that's a business that's open to the public, right? Then we have a problem. Mm-hmm. They don't see it that way. So it is a very insidious um, ideology, and a lot of evangelicals mm-hmm. don't understand um, that 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 it's not just belief for them it's also enacting that belief on other people yes because it's it's a belief that this is i mean i think it's 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 a belief that like i have to do this because if i don't i'm going to be possibly punished with the fires of hell Mm. like like i think that there is like (sighs) i think really behind all these things like i i know so many i was talking with somebody the other day for another podcast And they were talking about like, you know, there's I've got people in my church who want to openly embrace the LGBTQ community, but they also really want to honor what's in the Bible and honor what God says about this stuff. And I'm like, because you think that God is willing to punish you if you're wrong, Mm -hmm. that God is Mm -hmm. willing to send you to an eternal conscious torment if you're wrong. And fuck, I wouldn't I wouldn't risk that either. My eternal soul versus your eternal soul. Bye. I will choose. We always will choose ourselves every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to parse out that that Christian nationalism could definitely have that belief, but also conservatives who don't who aren't Christian nationalists can believe that too. So there's definitely a theological mm. underpinning to this. But Christian nationalism can also be a political ideology. Let me just give you a quick mm. example of that. Donald Trump is not a legitimate evangelical. In, in what he believes and what he espouses. He right. is, we, we know this, but he latched on to the Christian nationalist ideology politically to use it as mm. a vehicle to, to bring himself into power. But then you have mm. other folks, like, for example, Sean Foyt, okay, who we all know the worship <laughs> leader, right? He would be Ramen someone who— Ramen noodle wig, baby. <laughs> he is someone who, who would say, no, my faith compels me to be this way, right? So you have this, like, theological— perspective that can lead to Christian nationalism and you have this political ideology and what's happening is they're kind of meeting like I think that that one of the I hate to use the term brilliant but one of the one of the things that Trump did that for him was really good was he saw quickly how in some of these more charismatic circles this dominion theology could be used to his advantage to put Mm. himself into power if he promised to kind of bring that group along with him by enacting a Christian government right so that there's definitely a handshake happening here even if not every single person in this movement is really really gives a shit about actual theology or 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 the Bible or or God is that make sense yeah it's basically what i'm hearing is like once again evangelicalism is being co-opted even further like basically just like christianity and faith is being co-opted and hijacked by a political body in order to advance a certain goal which among them is uh white power 
Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm still thinking through this on my own. Uh, and so these might seem like contradictory thoughts, but on one hand, we can trace the history of American evangelicalism and see how, how it's been steeped in white supremacy from the beginning almost. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, it's not even, so there's one side where I would say, um, evangelicalism has not been co-opted. It's just being what it's always been underneath underneath all Ooh. of this, right? But then mm-hmm. there's this other side where you see someone like Trump, an opportunist, come in and then co-opt that ideology for his political benefit at the same time. So they, they mm-hmm. kind of might be at odds because it's kind of a both-and scenario in my view, not mm-hmm. either or. And there's there's some great books detailing the history of this and just how you know white evangelicalism, unfortunately for us, uh, has been steeped in white supremacy, has been on the wrong side of history so often in American culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's what you and I have like being, you know, peak millennials in our 30s, unless you're in yep. your 40s and I don't know about this. No, I'm 33. <laughs> Oh my God, our Jesus year. Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Please. I'm going to get to Canada before they start um, stringing us up on the wall. Handmaid's Tale. Spoiler alert for Handmaid's Tale. If you haven't watched it by now, you didn't want to watch it. Yeah, um, true. Bring me back real quick. My ADHD took me away. No, you're totally fine. I was just talking about how how white evangelicalism has been steeped uh, in, in racism, yes, yes. just kind of on the wrong mm-hmm. side of history historically, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I, I, I mean, like I get like the, I guess the question that I always have, I'm just like, I don't know what to do about it. Like I don't right. know, like like because like my family understands what I think and believe. I have, I have, and for them, it's just, it's just a difference of belief. It's just a difference of of opinion. And I'm just like, I don't understand how you don't see how your vote affects. I don't see how you, that you think that your vote is separate from us. You think that your vote is separate from me, a queer non-binary person. Yes. Yes. And like, you don't see how electing somebody, I mean, like queer, like queer marriage is on the line. Mm Same-sex marriage is up for debate again Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of a couple of like three justices who said, oh, yeah, settled law is settled precedent is settled precedent. Right. And I don't know. I don't know how to get through to people to say I'm just like, if you care about people, like, why are you doing this? Yeah, it's um, it's a Rubik's Cube that I'm still working on. Right. Um, And there's a lot of ways to approach it. Some people um try and make people like that aware of what's happening some people say i'm out and i'm just i don't want anything to do with it i don't want to try i'm just gonna live my life and just fuck the haters kind of thing right like i'm just Mm. i'm out of here there are people like myself maybe who have maybe in the beginning unintentionally found that there are a lot of people who want to stay committed to Jesus, but really can't do it in this white evangelical space. And we're just trying to find better paths forward uh, mm-hmm. while still acknowledging like what, what we've been a part of has been very harmful to, to many different groups of people, including the queer community. Um, and so there's, there's different ways to approach it. Um, I, I do struggle with, um, I struggle with, I'll put it this way. I was back in my, you know, conservative evangelical days when I was not affirming, Right. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't necessarily convinced by people yelling at me to become affirming. It was the stories of people that changed me. I had friends who were queer who told mm-hmm. me, you know, early on, like, hey, my youth pastor said some pretty terrible things about me. And that was the beginning of me going like, oh, my God, I, I had no idea. And that, and over time, that really shifted my view to become, you know, fully affirming. And so mm-hmm. I said that because I, I, I know that yelling at people 
yelling at people doesn't always convince them, but also people's like people's humanity is on the line here, right? I mean, like people mm-hmm. are really being harmed by the policies that we're seeing in place from a Christian nationalist ideology. And so I really struggle, especially being a, a, a white male, a white straight male in this space. I don't think it's my call to tell people how to react to this all the time, right? I can say mm-hmm. how I'm reacting to it, some of my thoughts on it, but I think it would be dangerous for me to start saying, listen, as a white male who, who none of these laws, by the way, affect me, right? If queer marriage mm-hmm. gets overturned tomorrow, no effect on my life. It'd be wrong of me to say, oh, you, you guys are just overreacting. Let me just help you mm. out here, right? Because it's it's not my that's not my lane. I have to sit and learn and kind of follow along in those spaces. So I, I wrestle with a lot of that, a lot of a lot of that to be honest, but I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanna like pull on this string a little bit too, um, about like how what do we do about it because you created this thing called the New Evangelicals. Yeah. And I would like when I first saw it, I was very, very curious because I'm just like, huh? What? <laughs> And then it was, and then like, as I got to know you, I'm just like, okay, this is this is fine, this is dope. Why that name? Why stick with that name? Why? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just I'm just curious, like, because mm-hmm. in from where I'm sitting, I'm just like, evangelicalism is not redeemable in yep. my book. Yep. I mean, part to be really just honest and transparent, part of it is just the name I thought of when I was in a certain season. If I can say that, no, say it. And I, listen, they say it in this like at a certain point in a certain season in my life. That was right. the ter- that was the term I wanted. Right, ex- exactly. So when I first thought of the name, it was really out of my frustration for what was happening in evangelical culture during COVID. Uh, when I saw Sean Foy doing his massless protest on top of the love of Trump, on top of the the response mm-hmm. to the uh, racial injustice that we saw with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, et cetera, Breonna, Bre- uh, Breonna Taylor, I thought we need a new evangelical movement at the time. This was like maybe you know two and a half years ago. So I thought of the name, the new evangelicals. No one had it. So I grabbed it. And mm-hmm. over time, I realized, like, hmm, you know, I don't know if if this thing is redeemable. And to be honest with you, Kevin, I don't think evangelicalism as it stands is redeemable at this point. Okay, and I'm going somewhere with this, but I I don't think that the 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 well, there, it's hard to define evangelicalism, but I I don't think that both the industrial complex that is evangelicalism mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. or the the typical evangelical church format and theology right. is overall redeemable okay mm-hmm. i understand that the good news though is that if you look farther back in our history there is um there is a um a tradition of evangelicalism that in its time was quite forward thinking. Um, abolitionists, the first people to ever ordain women in America, um, they 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 would not drink alcohol, not because it was sinful, but because they refused to participate in in the systems that 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 alcohol was produced in um, under mm. capitalism and greed. People like that. I'm thinking of the early Wesleyans here. So there's mm-hmm. actually a really good book about this called Discovering an Evangelical Heritage. And when I, when I read it, I thought, oh, my God, OK, thank God I can find something here that, that could have been labeled evangelical that wasn't the harmful systems that we're seeing now. So mm-hmm. I, for me now, you know, I would say the New Evangelicals is named that because we have to keep moving. We have to dismantle the harm and think of better ways forward. And also part of me, mm-hmm. and maybe this is wrong, I'm just too damn stubborn to give the name over to fundamentalist Christian nationalists. Like, you know what? If that name used to be used to stand for something good and life giving, 
damn it, I'm gonna try and do it again. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm just you know spitting in the wind here, but I'm gonna give it the old college try. That's kind of how I feel about the term Christian in general for myself. Is like hmm. it's it's like. I don't want douche like because like I know how beautiful this tradition can be and now I know at the heart of it that like for me when I say the mystery of the Christ yeah like there's just such richness to it and I'm just like am I a Christian today I have no idea no idea right right and because like if, if if it means you know what we're seeing in America then no that's not. Let me rephrase it. If it's if it's like evangelicalism, Christian nationalism, then no, I don't want to be associated with that. And that's like part of like my part of my uh, the rub is that no matter what I think it means, no matter what I believe it means, like someone else like thinks if I say I'm a Christian, automatically like and what I what I mean by da 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 for those because you can't see this because this is a podcast, uh, just the bullet list of yeah. things in their mind that they're automatically assuming about me, right. and and automatically putting them at a distance and on, maybe even not triggering them and it's like yeah yeah I'm willing like our apostle Paul be all things to all people I'm willing to give up the name right I'm willing to give up that label if it means that I can help people. Uh, find a new kind of practice. Yes. The, there's there's actually some good news here. The good news is that I would argue, even in America, but definitely globally, the the type of Christian, Christian culture we experience is quite fringe, okay? Meaning, even the average evangelical globally does not see things how most evangelicals in America see things, mm-hmm. um, whether it comes to biblical inerrancy or other fundamentalist kinds of thoughts. That's the good news. The bad news is that one of the most powerful groups are the people that we're, that we're a part of or, 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 or have, have come from, right? Like mm-hmm. Christian nationalism in America is extremely powerful. But the analogy we use a lot that I think is helpful to some people is that I what helped me kind of flesh this out in my head and kind of have some framework to work within is seeing the Christian tradition as a massive house with many different rooms built by many different people. It just keeps kind of getting added on to. And I think a lot of folks, the way I phrase it is that I grew up in the basement, in the crawl space of, of Christian thinking. You know, we call it American evangelicalism. And I was taught well, Oh by my God, I grew up in the grody basement. Right, right. And, and then I was taught by, by those people who maintained that grody basement. Hey, if you walk up those stairs, there's nothing up there. There's no Christian thinking. There's no oxygen. Oh my God. You are we're just Kimmy not going to survive. We are Kimmy I, Schmidt. There it is. We're Kimmy oh Schmidt. Oh my God. Right. And you walk up those stairs and you realize like not only is the air way better up there. And not only is the Christian tradition so much bigger than you think and what you've known it to be, but there are brilliant human beings who have built some brilliant rooms on top of this Mm. house that help make sense of the world that are still rooted in a love and a devotion to following Jesus, to following the Christ. That's beautiful, but that can be very scary and very overwhelming. And a lot of people don't even think about it that way, right? It's either, mm-hmm. oh, if you're not an evangelical, you can't be a Christian anymore. If you don't believe in eternal conscious torment, you're not a Christian. That is such fundamentalist thinking. It's so narrow-minded, considering that that historically, you know, how we view things like that is so debated. That should give us mm-hmm. pause before we say, 
oh, well, you're not a Christian if you don't believe this. There's probably some mm-hmm. Christian out there who doesn't believe that and is still faithful to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I am curious. You've said this a few times. Faithful to Jesus. Yeah. The, I don't. What do you mean? Because that. Okay. Because that even that. Because like. Yeah. That is a phrase that has a thousand different meanings depending on who you are. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. You're right. The Christian nationalists think about the Jesus in Revelation coming back to kill his enemies, right? So yeah. not that and one. Get, yeah, <laughs> or, or the one. Or the ones that the Jesus that was invoked on January 6th by the Q shaman in the... Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, when, when I say that, I really just think about about what do we read in the four gospel accounts? You know, listen, I, I get it. We can get in the weeds on who wrote them. Sure, 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 are sure, they sure. accurate? All, all that aside. And I understand they're, they're valid things to think about in a process. But assuming that what we're reading about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? About this, this, this Jesus who says these things and does these things and critiques these things... Considering, assuming those things are somewhat accurate, that's what I'm talking about. The Jesus who speaks truth to power, the Jesus that says he came to liberate the oppressed, the Jesus that, that in Matthew 25 says that if you're not taking care of, of the orphan and of the prisoner, are you really even getting it? You know, in fact, you're in danger of, of, of judgment. Wow, intense language for me, even Come as an evangelical, I don't like that at all. But the point is that, you know, that's what I'm talking about. I think that, that, I think about the, what's called the Westing quadri- uh, quadrilateral. There's ways Listen, to view. I these love things. the quadrilateral. Yeah. It's what I teach. It's what I know. It's my favorite tool. You want to break it down real quick, then? The evangelical. I mean, the the Wesleyan quadrilateral is a tool developed by John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, which consists of four different aspects through which we translate, uh, or through which we um, not translate, which we exegete, if you will, or how we understand. Uh, scripture and tradition. They include scripture, tradition, experience, and reason. Yep. And yep. Uh, usually the order is, you know, we have a question. We go to the, what does the text say? What does my tradition say? What does my experience tell me? And then what is the reason given to me by God? Tell me. Yeah. I love that. So that's what I'm talking about. I, I do think that there are some themes in the scriptures, and I think one of them is is human flourishing and the blessing of God being expanded outward over and over again. It, it mm. consistently gets pushed out. So that's what I'm talking about when I say faithful to Jesus, being a part of that. I, you know, there's this concept anyway of like a new way to be human, right? A new way to try and help make the crooked of of not only what 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 we've been complicit in, the harm that we've been complicit in, but also the crookedness of the world, helping to make that a little bit straighter, a little more heaven on earth. That's what I'm mm. talking about. Does that make sense? It does make sense, and I yeah. like that. Um, like as you were saying, uh, I was pulling up some of the questions from it, and this was from a question that came in. I'm not going to name this person because I, there's a part of me that wants to drag them. It says, "Does Christianity have to be such a big tent? Can we just get back to following Jesus yet?" And I'm like, and I want to like that's what I think most. Uh, I think a lot of people who are like right, they want to be progressive, but like they want, they just want everybody to just get along. Right. But they don't want to like understand how bad it actually is for people who don't sit in positions of privilege. Yes, and also, and respectfully to that person, it's kind of an ignorant statement because we're sitting on 2,000 years of church history that transcends mm. culture, um, even even the Bible. The early church does not have the Bible we have today. Hello, uh, Jesus or, did not have a right. Bible. Early Protestants had the uh, didn't have the same Bible we have. They had they had the Apocrypha as a part of it, etc. So I'm just saying, like, 
I'm I'm kind of channeling some Pete ends here, but you know, one of his points is like, listen, it's complicated. Like that, it just is what it is. I mm-hmm. wish I can give oversimplistic answers and saying things like, can we just follow Jesus? I get the spirit behind it, but like you said earlier, that has a thousand different interpretations because because mm-hmm. the people who conquered lands. Think about the, the doctrine of discovery, right? They did it in the name of Jesus, in the name of God. The Pope gave him permission to conquer and conquest. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not following that Jesus, but they would certainly say that they were following Jesus. So we have to be very mm-hmm. clear about how we define those things because our Christian tradition is messy. It's good and it's bad. It's both and, not either or. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think there is, I think what's interesting about when we say like there's good and bad, I'm just like, and this is maybe where like I'm I'm wrestling with the idea of like just I guess there's just people in general yeah. and a little bit of my dreaming. So like we're around like what the next we're the fourth reformation, third reformation something or like, like or like something like that. We're we're ha- we're in the middle of another reformation. That seems pretty mm-hmm. clear to me. Mm-hmm. And a lo- I think a lot about what does this faith if any like, does it look, is there a way for it to be practiced outside of the Christian tradition? Is there a way, I don't, there's a part of me that's like, I really am so interested in Christianity possibly like joining the ranks of like actual like evolved religious practices and religions in the world where it's not this thing where it's, you have to believe this or you die, but it, this is, there's beauty to be found here. There's a, there's a way of living here that leads you to peace. Hmm. Um, because I, I mean, like I've said it before, like Jesus to me is not my savior, but he's my teacher and my friend and my brother. Mm. And like, I still feel like I have a metaphysical, you know, in whatever way that you have a connection with dead people when they die, I feel like I've got that. Mm. And I feel like the same way, like I feel like my grandmother and my father are still with me too. Yeah. It's so it's when I say faithful to Jesus, I'm just like, I'm, I'm faithful to the, the, the peace that this, this teacher gives me and leads me into, he leads me back to myself. Hmm. He leads me back to like, it's just like, like the teachings of Jesus remind me, I'm just like, this is how you can interact in the world and and still keep your, yourself. And that to me is appealing. And I think it sucks that Jesus is so closely associated with all this bullshit and trauma that so many of our friends have who can't, Again, like they hear, it's almost just like I have to sneak Jesus in the back. And, 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 and in reality, I'm just like, well, people don't technically need Jesus to access the peace. He's just a route. Hmm. Um, he's the route I chose to take, and I think it's really good. And I don't, I don't feel the pressure to tell people to connect with Jesus anymore because it's like if, it's, if he's helpful, if he's part of your story, if, it's, if he's somebody with whom you feel drawn to, do it. But yeah. don't do it just because you think you have to or you think that you're going to have an incomplete religious experience or spiritual experience without saying that you believe in something. Yeah. Does that no, make sense? I hear that. It does. Yeah, it's a great thought. I have, haven't given that a ton of thought in a lot of ways, but I do resonate with the folks who have been so traumatized by the Jesus that they experienced in evangelicalism and, and in other, you know, um, American Christian traditions and like, what do you do with that? Right. Mm. Because you're right. Like, I mean, the new evangelicals, it's our mission statement. The first thing we say is that we're centered on Jesus. Like we're still very much 
somewhere mm-hmm. in that Christian tradition. And I get, I totally understand that we're not going to be for everyone. I totally get that the world is big. Mm. I can't be for everyone, right? And that's fine. Um, we have I just pulled that card earlier today from my Oracle deck. It literally says, "You're not for everyone." <laughs> right? You know, I mean, we tell people, listen, if you have to take the exit ramp in our with, with, with our community, we totally get it. Like we really do, and we wish you the best. And we, we, we hope that you find mm. flourishing wherever you end up going, right? So I get that. But I, I do think that I think about for my context, like there is something like you said that draws me to like this way of of Jesus that I read about in in the um in the gospels. And also there's this there's this like impact that I can read throughout church history of this interaction with like this Messiah Jesus and how it changed people's lives to do like amazing things that promote human flourishing. So I think that I find a lot of that there, but I do think I realize now that and I could get in trouble for this, but I'm just kind of beyond the perspective of, Oh my God. Well, if you didn't pray the prayer to Jesus, like if you're not following Jesus, like, can you be a good human? Can you, can you go to heaven assuming that exists? Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. I I just can't sit there anymore. I have to trust that this divine thing, presence, deity that we're trying to interact with, right. Understands how the world functions that, that, that they created. And certainly Mm -hmm. it's not my job to figure out who's in and who's out, quote unquote, right? But I think mm-hmm. through the lens of Jesus, my job as being someone who wants to reflect that that mm-hmm. ethic is always inviting people into better ways of being while also um, living a life of repentance that also is transformative to being a better person in, in ways mm-hmm. of being, right? So not just being a leader or trying to be the new guru, but someone who's participating in his own repentance to say, mm-hmm. yeah, I need to turn from this and go to that. Yes, I was complicit in harm here. I have to go to here, right? That seeing repentance as a gift and not just mm-hmm. like as some kind of shame tactic, I think is a big yeah. shift as well for me. Same. I love repenting. I do it all the time. I love changing my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Because really, like, I think about it this way. I was just, it's like, if sin is what separates me from God, then like, what do I need to do? I need to change my mind. My thoughts, the thoughts that are keeping me from the awareness of love's presence. And I would even say like, you know, I don't argue about who's in or out anymore because I recognize that everybody is in. Mm. Every God has already included everyone. Like, it's like, it's like I, people want to live, but, but what about, what, what about, I'm like, I'm just not worried. I'm just not right. concerned. And yes. that's the thing. It's just like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not concerned. But what about right. this? My answer is I'm not concerned. Right. And I'm just going to keep at them just like, who would you be without the thought I needed to worry about this person? And rather, when I see this person, I can be in awe of them or appreciate them and experience God through them without needing to change them. And that's right. the thing is like every single human is the Christ waiting for you to recognize them. They right. are the, they are part of that divine thing. And so if I treat everybody mm. that way, oh my God, like all of a sudden I have begun fulfilling all the law. I have begun, you know, actually acting like a fucking Christian, mm. mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's 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 now a practice based in a a joyful outpouring rather than like this penitent guilt-ridden shame-filled um, right. life of servitude. It, it, that's exactly right. And honestly mm. what you just said about seeing people 
you know, stamp with like the divine on them is, is what fuels us to, to make sure that we don't dehumanize people. I mean, listen, we have people that we really don't like. Okay. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like Sean Foyt. They are harmful people. Right. But I feel like for us, and this is just what we do. I'm not saying anyone else listening to this has to do it this way, but we made a decision early on that whenever we critiqued or responded to people that we didn't like, we would make sure that we were not dehumanizing towards them as a human because they're still made mm-hmm. in the Imago Dei in our view. And our hope is that our words invite them into better ways of being and mm-hmm. not just repeating the cycle of chaos that we seem to be on this merry-go-round, right? Of just over and over and over again. I'm not saying we do it perfectly. I'm not saying it's going to solve all the world's problems, but we want to do our part to be to, to be in the cycle of of participating, how, the way I would phrase it would be participating in God's active work of of just um, of healing the world from the disease of sin that divides people, divides us from the planet, divides us from from, from the, the divine. Mm-hmm. And how can we be part of that cycle of goodness and wholeness, and not part mm-hmm. of the cycle of chaos that seeks to destroy? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'd also want to like ask you like defining sin. Um, because like a lot of yeah. they, they hear that it's like I look at that as any act uh, left done, any act done or left undone, knowing or unknowingly, that disturbs the peace of another person or the planet. Mm. If for any theology nerds out there, there's a, a really great series by the Bible Project that really goes into like kind of how the scripture actually talks about what sin is. It's like brilliant. Mm. It totally shifted my mind on 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 this concept. I I tend to think that ultimately, you know, sin is an infection. It's a disease um, that is, you know, um, that is ultimately harmful to humans, ultimately harmful to the planet, um, and that uh, we we can be part of the healing from. Now, there's two parts of that. I think that there's parts where I, as a human, have been part of spreading that disease. I've, I've done harmful things. I've hurt other people, right? There's responsibility there of like, yeah, I've, I've been part of, of the chaos. But there's also this mm-hmm. other side of like, hmm, like th- things weren't, and the way I would phrase it now, I'm still working through it, but you know, things weren't maybe like intended to be this way. How can I be mm-hmm. part of, 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 of that healing work of, of, of eradicating and trying to heal the world and the cosmos mm-hmm. and our humanity from this oppression that we call sin. I think about how Paul talks oh. about it, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, I wonder if I could yeah. like push back on the idea of disease as the, as the metaphor, as an infection, yes. because I'm not sure that it is as much as it is just, it's a set, like if anything, like, you know, talk about generational curses. I think mm. of, like, it's like, that to me is just, it's cycles of behaviors and patterns. It's cycles of thought that, and cycles of trauma that get passed down generation to generation, both socially and also epigenetically. And so, you mm. know, maybe spiritually even. Yeah. And so when I think of sin, I'm just like, you know, it's, it's not so much that it is inherent in a human, but more that it is present in our cultural behaviors and in our conditioning. Um, and so the work of, I don't know if like eradicating sin is as much hmm. what the way I would put it as much as the saying is like, I would like to look at somebody and say, do you, are, are you hurting? Do you need some help? Um, be, like being able to say like, uh, I don't know. There's better, I feel like there's better language because the word disease yes. and infection, I'm just like, that feels 
somewhere like medical ableist, maybe. I don't know. Yes. Maybe I was hasty with my words. I was thinking about one of the earlier atonement theories um, where they, they view God as healer, right? As like mm. the great physician, so to speak. That's kind of what I was drawing on. But mm. maybe in, in our current cultural moment that you're right, maybe that isn't the best way. Because let, let, let's face it, right? There have been tr- human humanity has been trying mm-hmm. to figure out like this 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 oh, yeah. thing you know right this this whatever you want to call it sin selfishness hurt you know and so we have different suffering. labels suffering yes and so we have different ways of communicating it depending on the cultural moment so maybe that language of infection and disease in our cultural moment isn't the best mm-hmm. way to describe this thing that we're trying to put something mm-hmm. some kind of category on right because I, I think you're right Kevin when you say that there's an, a, a a very deep element of like trauma and unhealed trauma that mm-hmm. that 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 bears the fruit of more trauma mm-hmm. right yeah and so maybe that is is a good category for us to think about sin in where it's like yeah like when we're not healed when we're not doing our work to be healed however mm-hmm. we find that um we can repeat that we can we can you know reproduce that hurt into someone else and kind of down the line it goes so maybe you're correct on this i think that's a really good point yeah I don't know. I think we'll find out. Thought provoking. Um, speaking of like healing ourselves, I love talking about practices with people because I think that it's necessary, and I think it's also fun to hear what other people are doing. Um, spiritual practices for you. What do you do? What's your thing? What kind of rhythms do you keep, if yeah, anything? Yeah, I'll just be transparent. I, I think I'm still a little jaded to even the concept of spiritual practices because I was so guilt ridden by them for so long to do my devotions and to make sure I pray. Mm. Um, I, I, for me in a weird way, getting time to go to the gym is incredibly healing for me to get my yes. body moving and, That's and just a practice. Get, you know, some of that stuff out. I, I try and make that, I try to make time for that. Um, and the other thing I do that I really find healing is like, I get to play music on the weekends and I get to play cover yeah. band music and I get to play, Backstreet Boys and Rihanna as a drummer and the work, as you know, this work can be very heavy. It can be very, it sits with me sometimes and having those two, those, those weekends, you know, a couple of hours of music just really helps clear my mind. It kind of helps my body move and helps remind me that there are, uh, uh, that, 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 that there's a bigger world than just the world that I see Monday through Friday. Right. So that Mm -hmm. is very helpful for me to keep that perspective. Yeah. And there's also, I think this is something I, I think I, I try to encourage other people to do like in my, like when I'm working with them or just in general, get out of the house a little bit. And that by that, I mean like you need to like focus upon that, which is going to bring you some joy. Mm, Give your attention yes. to something that is going to bring you life. Because the unfortunate thing is that our trauma response and just like the, like we've been trained to think that if I focus upon the problem, I'm going to automatically find the solution. And that is not true. Mm. If I focus only upon the problem and I obsess over the details of the problem and I dissect the problem and I get to the minutia of the problem and I have yeah. a, you know, a fucking vision board, <laughs> I'm no, all I have is a very clear picture of what the problem is and I'm obsessed with it. Yes. Rather than taking a step back, trying to give my attention literally to anything, blue glass, go look at some blue, go to a shop, go look at, like, go on a stupid mental health walk for your stupid mental health. 
do anything to like start moving your attention away from something. So you saying like playing music, working out to get away from like continuously like looking at the news cycle, checking right. all, uh, all these things. I think for me, like I tell everyone, if you meditate for five minutes a day, you'll change your fucking life and you'll yeah. save a whole lot of money on, um, on therapist fees. Yes. Dead ass. <laughs> I you mean, like I honestly, use, if people would meditate for five minutes a day, you would not have to hire me as a coach. Dead ass. I, I was using the Headspace app for a while. I really loved so it. Good. Um, so it's good. great. I should probably get back into it because I have thought my my mind. I'm not sure how yours is, but my mind's kind of always going. It's always thinking. It's always processing. Mm. It's very loud in my head. And when I was in a, a healthy rhythm of meditation, it really helped just center myself and get back into my body, even realizing that I have a body and I should be taking care of it. So I, I might be due to kind of find that time before my day starts and I have 200 DMs I have to answer and, you know, all this content I have to try and make, et cetera. So. Wow. Here you are coming to like repentance here on the channel, here, <laughs> yeah, here on the pod. Right. You're just like, I was like, you know what? I am here to rededicate my life to my to my health and my mindfulness. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hey, if you, with all eyes closed and hands raised, who needs to rededicate their life to their own fucking peace today? Come on, somebody. I'll do it. I'll do it. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. <laughs> now we can just say, I call back my power. I call back my power from all places and times. All places and times. From all people and things. From all people and things. Knowingly or unknowingly. No. <laughs> wow. You really brought me back to church there for a minute. <laughs> Listen, let me tell you what. All those times that we did like those call and response prayers, same kind of shit we do in like witchy circles too. Like it's just because yeah. group chanting is powerful, but we can get that in that to that another time. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Because I really do. I am so interested in exploring like spiritual practice beyond strict Christianity. It's my favorite thing to think about and talk about. Um, but I have been ending the show trying to ask everyone the same five questions. So if you wouldn't mind, it's not quite rapid fire, but it's like just, it's five things. And I think I asked you this when we were on um, the Promise Breakers retreat. So, oh, so good. Such a good bring time. Bring us back, Lord. Also, if you're a man type person in any sense of the word, masculine of center, non, you, mostly a men, we want to do, a, I want to do a mostly men's retreat. Oh. And I did like, I, I, that's what I want. Like the Promise Breakers mostly men's retreat. Great Think about line. how, think about how dope that'd be. If you're a lady and you want to come, do it like i don't give a fuck it's just there's gonna be we're gonna be focusing on dude shit dude and so shit. <laughs> yeah and so like if you want to be in those conversations you're like well i don't relate i'm just like well you knew <laughs> <laughs> you read the fine print right <laughs> yeah i'm just like we are going to talk about issues that about vulnerability and emotional shit regarding patriarchal bullshit that men are indoctrinated into Ugh, true that i feel it anyways that's not has nothing to do with these five questions are you ah, ready i'm ready are you ready what is one yeah. thing you like about yourself uh, i li like like physically i don't care oh i like that i play drums professionally mm, that's nice I love that's that. a very good skill um I'm, I'm what is one it. thing what's one thing well then don't choose it for your second one what's one thing in your life that you're really proud of I'm proud that I started the new evangelicals and that it worked. Yeah. And it's still working. It's, it's still working. Yeah. It's honestly I'm, like, I'm it's, I think that. it's a good, I honestly think of y'all as like a, a, a news reporting, almost like evangelical watchdog moment. It's pretty, <laughs> it's uh, definitely one of the things that we do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three, 
Um, what's one thing that really pisses you off? Or it's just like a pet peeve, like. Um, um when my uh, two-year-old wakes up at four o'clock in the morning and won't go back to bed. I this is again why I'm never having babies. <laughs> like I I don't know what it is about what compels heterosexual people to have babies. But man, it's or maybe it's just like it's like a it's it's like the byproduct of like you you're more likely to get pregnant, you know? Maybe. Like, I mean I, I I love being a dad. I really do. Like it is amazing. But there are moments in the middle of the night where I'm like I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose my mind if I don't go like somewhere and just cool off because I am tired. I'm going to lose my stopping. shit and I'm going to kill my kid and then I'm going to be arrested and then no one's going to run the event, New Evangelicals account and then Trump's going to win. Exactly. Right. And it turns out <laughs> it was too good to be true. They were problematic. He killed this kid. See? We knew it. So that's yeah, what I'm afraid of. We knew it. Can't wait. <laughs> this is the next blow up in our community. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, man, I need to. Oh, Jesus Christ. Help me. Um <laughs> Uh, number four, what's one thing you're really committed to? Um, my family. Mm, that's cute. And that's really beautiful. A family man. <laughs> I am. <laughs> how long, how long have you and your partner been hitched? We celebrated six years last week. Six years. Yep. Been together for, for half ten. a second. I thought you said 60 years and I'm just like, something's not mathing. Yeah. 60 <laughs> years, Kevin. Yeah. And, I look great, in, don't in, I? Yeah, in <laughs> heavenly years. That's how it works. Yes, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Uh, last thing, what's one thing you want to do before you die? Hmm, that's a great question. I want to go um, um, skydiving before I die. Go skydiving. Rocky Mountain climbing. Isn't that a song? That's a country song. Oh, um, I don't listen to country, but I'm sure it is. Oh, yeah, because you only listen to classic rock. No, what? Oh, no, heavens what no. Do you, what do you listen to? I'm a metal guy. I like jazz, funk fusion uh, shit, uh, dirty loops, under oath. I mean, you you name it. I'm into it. What the fuck is a dirty loop? Is Dude, that a band? You need to you, you, you need to listen to dirty loops. They are so good. They are dirty so loops. good. They're awesome. They're, like, they're funk fusion. Got like a Michael Jackson vibe going on. They're, they're disgusting Ooh. players. It's so good. I love them so much. Listen, I'm, I'm down. Shoot me a link. Um, I will. Well, this is coming to the end of our time together. I feel like we covered a lot of ground. We talked a lot of, we, we talked a lot of theory, um, talked about America. And um, yeah, so I think for our first episode of an, a series, I thought it was pretty fucking dope. What do you think? Yeah, I think? I think we nailed it. I'm proud of this podcast episode. How's that? Yeah. Um, please yeah. tell people on the internet where they can connect with you, find you, give you money, etc. <laughs> sure. Uh, you can find us anywhere that says the New Evangelicals on social media, on podcasts. We are a nonprofit, so we accept donations. They're all tax deductible. Uh, we don't charge for anything, so that's how we are able to do the work that we do. People donate, so you can do that if you want. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find us. Yep. Uh, and that's it. That's all I have to say. You know where to find me. Blah blah blah. That was my conversation with Tim Whitaker of the New Evangelicals. Again, check them out across social media at the New Evangelicals. 
literally on every social media platform you can think of go subscribe to their podcast and tim thank you so much for ha- for being on the show with me like thanks for engaging with like these interesting things and i'm really glad that you're in the world doing what you're doing you're amazing um that's the show this week i want to give a shout out as per usual to the amazing humans who support this show by becoming members at the crowded table the crowded table is the online spiritual social club that i help curate alongside with some amazing humans we got some cool stuff going on i gotta say went through a flop era this summer as far as programming is concerned didn't quite do what i wanted to do but um if you've been missing community if you've been missing gathering with people sharing like ideas with other people uh, you're gonna want to stick stick around. Keep your keep your eyes on the crowded table because some cool shit's coming down the pipe very soon. If you want to support this show and any other content that I'm making, become a member at thecrowdedtable.mn.co uh, or send me a tip: Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. It's all at the Kevin Garcia. I would I always welcome the support. Um, two. Uh, if you would be so kind, please make sure that you rate and subscribe and share this with people so that we can get this podcast in front of more people, um, especially if it's been helpful. So yeah, I think that's it. Um, once again, fall cohort, if that's for you, you know, it go sign up for a time to talk with me and we'll get that going. Um, grab yourself some merch from the merch shop. It's the kevingarcia.com slash merch and use the code bestie 15 and you'll get a little percentage off. Check that out. Um, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, I love you. I hope you're doing good. I hope you have a wonderful day. And until next time, take your meds, call your person, shake your ass a little bit, drink some water. I love you. You're doing good. Okay. See you next time, y'all. Bye-bye.